God uses normal channels, folks. That's good. That means there's a job for all of us and there are rewards for all of us. And God blesses his children when we become his servants. Open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. The Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. Can you imagine what it must be like to be visited by an angel of God? I tell you, there's a few things that might freak you out in life, and I think that would be one of them, to have one of God's glorious angels somehow appear before you. I think it's got to be, when you think of it, it's got to be one of the greatest highlights of human life. And some people have experienced that. Um, now, the question is, do people today get visited by angels? Well, that's a good question. Right off the bat, I'd like to suggest to you that these people on YouTube don't. Some of these YouTubers that claim to have died and gone to heaven and shaken hands with Jesus and come back. Some of these YouTubers claim to have died and gone to hell spent a day or two in hell and come back. Don't believe these folks. Um, we don't need any of that. God doesn't need people to go to hell, come back and tell us what it was like. He's written a book that gives us all the answers. We don't need another instruction manual. We got one. And we have everything that God wants us to know about heaven right now. We have everything that God wants us to know about hell right now. But the question remains, uh, do angels still have uh, their hand in human affairs? <clears throat> and I'd like to sort of answer that by um, uh, asking, why does God send an angel? Why would he ever do it? Why would God do something like that because we know he has done that in the past the bible has ample evidence of god sending angels but why in the world does god do it well as we study our bibles and folks i hope that we realize that the bible has all of our answers i hope we understand that you don't have to run to other sources to find truth you'll find it in the word of god I know that not everyone believes that. And they say, well, the Bible, pastor, now I know you're a good man, pastor, but you, uh, you just don't understand. There are other sources of truth that we need. Well, I'm sorry, but you don't understand. Because God wrote this book. It's basic instruction before leaving earth. It's everything you need to know in the B-I-B-L-E, the book for me. And it hasn't changed. Praise God, it's as solid as a rock. It's as solid as it's ever been. And everything we need to know is in the book. Just whether we're going to believe it or not. It takes faith to believe in Jesus. It takes faith to believe in the Bible. And I hope you have faith to believe in that. And the Bible gives us plenty of evidence that God uses normal means to accomplish things. He uses normal means. He uses normal power. He uses normal channels of communication. He uses his Bible to communicate truth. But listen to me. Before the Bible was finished, 
before it was completed. And, and we have 66 books in the Bible, right? Old Testament and New Testament. But before it was all finished, what would God do when he needed to communicate? Well, he would send one of the prophets, right? Like, for example, uh, a well-known one is in the, uh, the city of Nineveh. Uh, God wanted to communicate a message to the Ninevites. And so he didn't send an angel. He could have, but he didn't. Instead, he sent one of the Old Testament prophets. And what was that prophet's name? Jonah. Yeah, you know this one. And then Jonah went in and communicated the message God had for them. Praise the Lord that people believed and they repented and got right with God. Now, what do you do, though, if there's no prophet? There's no Bible, there's no prophet of God, so there's no normal channels. What does God do? That's when he sends an angel. Does that make sense? God, he could send an angel to preach the gospel to every creature in Surrey. But he won't do that because he's got us. It's our job to let our light shine. It's our job... for. To, to make sure that others can see Jesus in us. It's our job to get the, the printed word of God, gospel tracts and scriptures into people's hands. God uses normal channels, folks. That's good. That means there's a job for all of us and there are rewards for all of us. And God blesses his children when we become his servants. Now, when there is no scripture to be preached when there is no Old Testament prophet to preach it then God will send an angel and so that's what we have right here in Luke chapter 2 we have this happening in the time of Christ's miraculous birth there was no prophet of God in that day and age otherwise someone like uh, Jonah would have come and found the shepherds and he would have shown up and he would have said, hear, hear the message of God. But there was no prophet. And so God sent an angel. So when it comes to these YouTubers, please don't swallow what they drivel that they give you. Don't believe that stuff. You know, Some of them say, oh, some crazy things about how angels visit them every day and silly nonsense like that. Don't believe it. So anyhow, what I'd like to do today um, is take a look at this Christmas angel. Here he is, right here in Luke chapter 2. And he brought friends with him, right? Something like uh, the program tonight. Come and bring a friend with you. So we're going to look at the angel and his friends today and we're going to see what lessons we can learn. Would you have a word of prayer with me first though? Bow your head, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your written word. Thank you that it's established. We have a place we can go and look up truth and we can find out what's right and wrong. It's, that place is called the Bible. Please encourage our hearts today as we study it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, chapter 2. Would you look at your Bible? Chapter 2 and verse number 9. Verse number 9. So the Bible here says, uh, now this is the, uh, the angels, the, the, the angel there came to the shepherds in verse 8 and in verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord 
came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now this expression, the angel of the Lord, is found 64 times in the Bible. And you can take the time later if you want and you can look up each and every one of those and try and get a little better understanding here. But the angel, the messenger of the Lord, came with glory, the glory of the Lord, and shone here upon these, uh, these shepherds. Now this sort of thing obviously had never happened to the shepherds ever before, right? Because they were afraid. If they were used to this sort of thing, they would have looked up and said, Oh, hey, how you doing? They would have looked up and said, oh yeah, you again. But uh, this was new. And they were sore afraid. And folks, that's what would happen probably to us. If in the middle of the night, right, you were awoken by a stranger. Years ago, uh, my wife and I, we had a dog we called Buddy. Maybe some of you will remember it. And Buddy was a Great Dane. Uh, and it's a huge dog. The head on the dog is huge. And so it's a very friendly, gentle little giant. But uh, his name was Buddy. And we brought him home. And uh, the first night, you know, we made a little bed for him. And good night, Buddy. And my wife and I went to sleep. And somewhere around two in the morning, I opened my eyes. And, you know, like six inches from, from my, my eyes was this big black nose. It, it felt like it was like that big. It wasn't really that big, but it felt like that big. And set way back are these two beady little eyes looking at me. And ah! <laughs> I woke up like that looking at this thing. And that was just Buddy, our friendly puppy. Can you imagine an angel appearing with the glory of the Lord? I dare say it would freak you out a bit. I think it would at least startle you. And, of course, that's what seems to have happened here. They were scared skinny. Hmm. That's one way to lose weight. Now, who was this angel? What was the name of this angel? Uh, what sort of jobs might this angel have had for thousands of years in his service for the Lord? Might he have been involved with spiritual warfare, with flaming sword, hand-to-hand -hand combat with demons, and so on? We don't know. We're not even sure what the, uh, the angel looked like with all of his uh, regalia and what he was wearing. Um, a lot of times we picture angels with wings. And if you study your Bible carefully, usually angels didn't have wings. It was the uh, seraphim. Those were the ones that had the six wings. I don't know if you remember reading about that in the book of Isaiah. They had six wings, right? And uh, on the Ark of the Covenant... You had these two, like, seraphim. They were angelic beings, but they had wings as well. But not all angels have wings. It doesn't mean they can't fly. Now, maybe these ones had wings, maybe not. So we don't know. So try not to read too much into this. Some people wonder if this angel was Gabriel. Gabriel. Remember Gabriel? Just look back at chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1, and verse number 26. Look what it says. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So here is an angel named Gabriel. Now, he's not called the angel of the Lord here, is he? He's just called the angel Gabriel. Does this mean he wasn't an angel of the Lord? Well, now I think we're starting to play with words and, you know, read things in that aren't there. 
So we don't know who this angel is, whether it was Michael the archangel or Gabriel or that other one, Clarence, who has got some role in a movie somewhere. But we don't know. But the thing is, his name isn't important. What was important was his message. Would we agree on that? Yes. It's the message that was important. You know, your name, my name, isn't really all that important. It's the message of Christ that we share with others. That's what's important. My wife and I have a friend uh, from decades and decades ago. Uh, and this, this man was telling us how he got saved he was working in kind of a, a country store. Um, I think it was in Manitoba or I don't know, Saskatchewan. I forget where it was. But it was a, like a little country store of, of sorts, large enough. And he was kind of in the back of the store, stocking some shelves. He was on his knees, putting things in the shelf. Some guy walked into the store. This is what he told us. The guy, he had never seen him before. The guy walked into the store, walked down the aisle where he was on his knees and turned and there was our friend and he looked at him and told him, Jesus loves you. That's all he said. He turned and he walked out. And there was our friend like a deer caught in the headlights, right? He said that is what led him to getting saved. That's how he became a born-again Christian, is because a total stranger came up to him and told him, Jesus loves you. Now at that time in his life, he had also been doing a lot of thinking about his life and, you know, what's he doing on the planet Earth, you know, and where's he going in life and things like that. He'd been doing a lot of thinking. And here, lo and behold, someone came up and told him Jesus loved him. And that was the, the motivator that got him saved. Isn't that something? Our names aren't the important thing. It's the message. This angel, bless his heart, whatever his name is, and I know he's got a name, which is I don't know what it is. We'll meet him one day in heaven will shake his hand and say, boy, you did a great job with those shepherds, I'll tell you. We're going to meet him in heaven. We don't know his name yet, but we know his message. And that was the important thing, is the message. So, we come now to verse number two, uh, 10. Chapter 2, verse 10. It says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And here, of course, is the message that the angel had. Now, God right away was trying to comfort those shepherds. God didn't want his shepherds to be afraid and, and faint or swoon or something like that. He didn't want that. He didn't want them to be afraid of the angel, nor the message he was about to give them. Now, you compare this, this scenario here, with how frightened some devils were when Jesus showed up. These devils had been inhabiting this man. And this poor man was demon-possessed and he'd be off in the wilderness and crying and cutting himself. And he was just a pathetic, hopeless case. People just stayed away from him. Jesus showed up and these devils got scared skinny. 
They were afraid that Jesus was going to banish them to the lower pits of hell, the lower portions of hell. And they begged and pleaded him not to do that and asked permission to go into a bunch of pigs. Do you remember this story in the New Testament? And Jesus granted them leave and they went into these 2,000 pigs and caused the pigs to run violently down the side of the hill and into the Sea of Galilee. And it was just a mess. But uh, there you've got a, an example of people who, get, who got scared when Jesus showed up. I tell you what, even the owners of the pigs, when they came out and they saw what happened, they realized it was Jesus. They begged him, please get out of here. Imagine that. But that's what they did. You know, there are people today that have kind of a similar sort of mind frame. Oh, Jesus. Oh, take that stuff out of here. Oh, I want nothing to do with Jesus. There are people like that. Lots of them. Not everyone is going to receive the message, right? Sad, but true. Jesus himself, as he was on earth preaching the message, not everyone received it. In fact, a lot of them not only didn't want the message, they didn't want him and they crucified him. If they did it to the master, boy, you know, they just might do it to us. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus is coming back to earth. And I'll tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of unsaved people absolutely terrified, terrified when Jesus shows up. Something that's a a little bit humorous, I find a little humorous, because I'm a pastor, because I'm in the ministry, and people find out about it. You know, they see me, they don't know me from a hole in the ground or a rock on the road or something. And then I, they ask who I am, and I introduce myself. I'm Pastor White of Grace Baptist Church. And as soon as they find out that I'm in the ministry, all of a sudden, they change. And you can see it on their faces. You can see it in their eyes. Just one of those. And quickly, they try and put on a halo. Sometimes, if they've been using some foul language, they'll say, um, I'm sorry, Father, uh, for... You know, forgive me, Father, sort of thing. And it's, I find it a little humorous, but also it's, it's kind of irritating because it puts up a wall. And now I can't communicate you know, with, with people sometimes. It, that's just human nature. It's like that. Other people, they find out you know, I'm in the ministry and huh, I become the target of the day. <laughs> so it goes both ways there. But uh, I'll tell you, when the... Uh, Heavenly beings start showing up. Even the spiritual people can get nervous. And that's what we have here. Because these were good shepherds. I believe they love the Lord. So uh, he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. So the word tidings means things that happen. Happenings. Things that are happening. It was the announcement of the year, in fact, or the, the, the millennial. It's the announcement of the lifetime. The, the birth of God the birth of the Savior. This was the best possible news. Notice that the angel called it not just tidings, good tidings. The word good means to build up. The word evil means to tear down. That's what those words mean. And so here's a good announcement that's going to encourage and build you up. Have you ever had good news that built you up and said, wow, have you ever had good news like that? I get it from time to time. You get it from time to time. And someone tells you something or you get a letter or something and you say, oh boy, you know, 
you're encouraged, you're built up, and that's what these tidings were meant to do. Good tidings, and it's not of just joy. He says great joy, and the idea is a superabundance of joy. The kind of joy you just jump up and click your heels. Yahoo! That kind of joy. And so this is what the angel was telling them. And then he says, which shall be to all people. That means the benefit of Jesus' birth was and still is available for all people, all humans everywhere on the planet. It's not just for the Jewish nation. It's not just for the Samaritans. It's also for the Romans and the Greeks and all of the Gentiles everywhere to be found. Every skin color, every nationality, every tongue, every tribe. That's why Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Wow. God is so good. He is so good. The benefit is not just for a select few. Aren't you glad? Oh, sorry. Uh, you're not of the, uh, the, the, the Jewish nation here. You can't be saved. Oh, sorry here. Uh, you're, you're, you're not smart enough. You can't be saved. You're not rich enough. You can't be saved. You're not popular enough. You can't be saved. You have the wrong eye color. You, ha- you have uh, only one arm. Uh, only two armed people can be saved. Sorry. It's not like that at all, at all. It's to everyone, everywhere. And I'm so glad it is, aren't you? If you're here today and you're born again, you know you're on your way to heaven. Boy, oh boy, you ought to be thankful. You ought to be happy. Praise the Lord. And doesn't that burden your heart for others who are not yet saved? Others who don't yet know Christ as Savior. They may know about him, but they have not yet met him. And that's the difference, isn't it? Well, The angel said, uh, for unto you. Now he was talking directly to the shepherds, but we know this fantastic news is for all of us. He says, is born this day in the city of David. That's important, the city of David. The city of David was a little town in, in the Holy Land known as Bethlehem. Bethlehem. My wife and I, Uh, Back in 2010 or something like that, I forget the exact year, we had the privilege of going over to Israel. And we went over and we toured all over Israel and the Dead Sea and all that stuff. We went to Bethlehem. Now, I tell you, it was nothing like the Bethlehem I have in my, my head. I have this picture in my head, old little town of Bethlehem. You know, with the, the little dwelling places and a few palm trees maybe, a little bit of water off to one side some camels, some donkeys, some nice people. I have this picture in my head. That's not what we found. Uh, Bethlehem is in Palestinian-controlled territory. In order to get there, we had to go through border and checkpoint. We had to give up our passports. We had to go through concrete walls and with barbed wires, with guards. And then when we finally got on the other side, I'll tell you, it was so commercialized. And they just took us to one little portion. That's all they wanted the tourists to see. And it was owned by the Catholics. They had this big shrine in there. We weren't allowed to just go anywhere. Because I'll tell you, uh, all around is just devastated. It was just trashed, junk. It was horrible. It was like, almost like, a, I wouldn't use the word ghetto, but it, it didn't look pretty. They didn't want the tourists going there. My wife and I got to uh, slip out from the group and walk down the street a little bit. We didn't have much time, but what we saw, we never forgot. Old little town of Bethlehem. No, thank you. I'm not interested in that kind of Bethlehem. 
I want the kind of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And in my mind's eye, it's so much prettier than what we actually got to see. But this Bethlehem was the city of David. This is King David of the Old Testament. And King David was an incredibly uh, popular and powerful man. And God raised him up to be the king. And from the lineage of David, his son, 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 you get the idea, the lineage of David came Jesus. And that's why Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. Because he was of the lineage of King David. And so, we, by the way, Bethlehem is about 10 miles south of Jerusalem, in case that helps. If you know where Jerusalem, you know where the, the Dead Sea is. From the top of the Dead Sea, directly across, there's Jerusalem. And then just come down 10 miles, there's Bethlehem. So it wasn't very far from Jerusalem. Remember the, the wise men came later. Remember them? They came to Jerusalem. And they were looking for, for Jesus, the King of the Jews. And who was in Jerusalem? What was his name? King Herod, right. And was he excited about the, the news of the birth of the king? No. No, he was troubled. And I think that's a very gracious word. I think he was out of his mind with uh, jealousy, fear, rage, anger. He was just that kind of guy. And there are people like that in the world. And there were others with him that felt the same way. Not everyone was happy that Jesus came into the earth. That's just the way it is. Well, the angel said a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, the angel here in verse 10, uh, uh, sorry, verse 11, he said, a Savior, a Savior. But actually, Jesus is the one and only Savior. There is no other Savior beside him. Today, that's not very popular. Today, we want to be, you know, very politically correct and include everyone. Oh, you believe in this? Oh, that's fine. You believe in that? That's wonderful. We'll take you in too. Oh, you believe that the, the devil should be worshipped? That's fine. You have your place here in society. Now, society is what it is. And it's made up of everything you can think of. Here in the city of Surrey, we probably have, uh, it's my guess only, but we probably have between one and two hundred different types of religions and uh, beings that are being worshipped. We've got people in their homes on their mantelpiece. They put up little idols. They burn incense to them every day. We've got people who run to temples and places of worship and bow down before all kinds of idols, uh, many of whom we've never even heard of. So there's a lot of that stuff going on right here in little old Surrey. And... Um, uh, I want you to know, I want to go on record by saying that there is only one Savior. There is no other Savior. Um, even if uh, people are praying to some of the saints, uh, those saints aren't going to help them. St. Matthew and St. Bernadette, and they've got patron saints for everything you can think of. Well, let them. It's not going to help anyone. Only Jesus can help. Only Jesus saves. One day I look forward to meeting Mary in heaven. What a wonderful, wonderful lady she was. She can't save my soul. She can't forgive my sins. She can't even hear my prayers. There is only one. You see, there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 
is not the Lady Mary, it's Christ Jesus. He is the one. He is our intermediate. We go to Jesus. We go through Jesus. All right. Well, in verse 12, the angel said something, and this shall be a sign unto you. A sign. What do the shepherds need a sign for? Well, they were Jewish. And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, the Jews require a sign. It's because God had done it that way for them. For a couple thousand years, God would give them a message and verify the message with a sign. I read one this morning earlier today, uh, Isaiah 7, 14. Uh, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. A virgin shall be with child. That was a sign, the virgin birth. And so to substantiate the message, here was a sign given to the shepherds. And so the Jews were used to um, uh, getting a sign. And here it was. Okay. He says in verse 12, He shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now swaddling clothes were long, narrow strips of cloth that were used to wrap the baby. Uh, not like a mummy, perhaps, but just you know, just lovingly, gently wrap them. And, and uh, they would also bathe the baby and they would use salt as well as a cleansing agent to help clean the baby. Uh, they would salt the baby, imagine that. But that's what, that's what was done. That was normal practice. Then they would wrap the baby up in uh, these swaddling clothes. But nobody would put their baby in a cattle trough. That's what a manger is. Those of you that speak French, manger, someplace, you know, has something to do with eating. The cattle trough, that was the manger. A cattle trough. Some of them were made of stone. Some of them were made of wood. But it was just a box that they threw the feed in and the cattle would come and eat out of that. Our dog, Charlie. Charlie the Wonder Dog. He's 14 pounds of wonder. <laughs> He's got a little dish, his dog dish. And many of you know this, Charlie is afraid of his own dog dish because it makes noise. The kibble, you know, rattles in there and he's scared of that. And so anyhow, what we've been doing lately is we've been dumping the dish onto this little carpet and that, that helps a lot. It's nice and quiet for the little, poor little sheep named Charlie. And so... Uh, that little dog dish. Uh, you know, we don't, if you came over for dinner, we wouldn't, you know, put some of your dinner in Charlie's dog dish. Even if we did clean it out, I mean, it's just not what you do. It's not polite at all. You don't have your guests eating out of a uh, cattle trough and you don't put your darling baby in a cattle trough and yet that's what they did. You say, why? Well, because there probably was no nursery in the barn in which they had to set up shop when Jesus was born. Remember that uh, there was a taxing going on and people were going back to their hometowns and Bethlehem, which normally would have had just a couple hundred people, may have had 1,500, 2,000 people. There was no room in the inn. So there was this accommodation. It was pretty rough. They took it. Because she was just about to give birth. 
and there was no other place to uh, put the, the baby. So they would have cleaned out the, the trough the best they could, and they lay their baby. So when the shepherds came, they would have said, look, there it is. Just like the angel said, who in the world puts their baby in a cattle trough? This was the savior of the world. Not something. That is quite a sign when you, when you come to think of it. All right, so verse 13, what does it say? Suddenly, his friends show up. The angel has some friends. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And so we have this great big host of angels show up. And so who were these angels? This, who, who was this host? A host refers, <clears throat> well, in modern English, if, if you came over to my home, I would be your host, right? I would host you in my home. But that's more of a modern idea of the word host. Uh, more originally, the word host referred to an assembly, usually of soldiers, an assembly of soldiers. And so in this case, we have angelic beings, angelic soldiers, if you will. We see that in different scriptures. In Genesis 32, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. In 2 Chronicles 18, 18, it says, I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left hand. So here's this incredible host. Well, how many were there? We don't know. It says a multitude. That's a huge crowd. I'm going to show you a picture in a minute to give you an idea what this might have looked like. Now, it doesn't give us any indication how many were there. Some might think, well, maybe there was 12, 12 angels there. You know, uh, Jesus had 12 disciples. And so here's the angel with his 12 uh, angel friends. I wouldn't think that's big enough. Not for a multitude of the heavenly host. I don't think so. Um, I, I have a thought for you. It's out of Matthew 26, 53. You don't have to turn there, but it says, Jesus said, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. Do you remember that when Jesus was arrested in the garden and uh, the disciples were going to jump up and defend him? And he says, no, no. He says, don't you realize if I wanted to, I could call upon my heavenly father. He'd give me more than 12 legions. You say, wow, what's a legion? Well, typically the Roman legion had 6,000 men in it. And so 6,000 times 12, 72,000. Possibly, this is only speculation, possibly there were 12 legions of angels there that night filling the skies like a large singing army. So we got a picture here. You might have to dim the light a bit. Okay, that's a uh, soccer uh, stadium there. Picture there for you. And it has 72,000 people in it. Can you see the picture all right? Can you imagine if you were in that crowd? How would we ever find you? You could scream at the top of your lungs, wave your hands, and we probably wouldn't see you. 72,000 people. And by the way, this is a famous um, sports arena, sports field, and it's called 
legion field. Isn't that interesting? So wouldn't that be something, eh? If that's what the angels saw that night, absolutely filling the skies. And for the birth of the king, the savior of the world, why not? All right, so put that picture away. Turn the light back up. You know, I got thinking about this in verse 14. Look at, the, look at it. In fact, I want you to read it out loud with me, please. Verse 14, read it out loud. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I got thinking about this and I got thinking that one of our biggest problems today in the world, one of our biggest problems is we're forgetting or we're refusing to give glory to God. Things, good things are happening. We're not thanking God. We are a world of unthankful people. By the way, this is just a little on the side note, but moms and dads, husbands and wives, when was the last time you gave thanks to God? What I mean is, parents, you've got children, you know that Children are heritage of the Lord. They're a gift from God. When was the last time you got on your knees and thanked God for your children? You say, Pastor, you don't know my kids. <laughs> no, I don't. Not like you do. But I do know the scriptures. And I know the Bible tells us, God tells us, that he gave you those kids. And if God gives them, God is to be thanked. When was the last time that you named your kids one by one and thanked God for them. Husbands, when was the last time that you thanked God for your wife and named her before God? Or wives, the last time you named your husband's name before God in prayer and thanked God for your husband? Interesting thought, don't you think? As a world, we've left off being thankful to God. God gives us life, he gives us food, he gives us health, he gives us family, he gives us friends, he gives us jobs, and we don't glorify him. Most of the time, people don't even say, thank you, Lord, before they eat their food. It's my opinion only, but I believe that if everyone in the world would be giving God glory, we'd have peace on earth. We don't have peace on earth today, do we? We sure don't. We've got wars going on in other parts of the world and we've got demonstrations happening in this country. All kinds of them. Wow. Well, worshiping God brings us some of the best benefits in life. It really does. I'm a big believer in worshiping God. I believe it with all my heart. In the Gospels, there were two demon-possessed men that came to Jesus. But only one of them worshipped Jesus, and he got healed. When Jesus was being crucified, there were two thieves crucified with him. One of the thieves worshipped Jesus, and he got saved. In the Old Testament, there were two Moabite widow women. They were still young, but their husbands died. There were these two Moabite widows. They followed a woman named Naomi. Listen, one of them worshipped God. And she became part of the lineage of both King David and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
There are benefits to worshiping God. Be a worshiper of God. By the way, worship does not mean a big band with music and fog and waving your arms and, you know, singing. Worship is not singing. It's different. Now, you can blend them, but worship, the best worship, is when you crawl up into God's lap, He puts His arms around you, and in intimate fellowship, you and God, you tell Him how much you love Him and worship Him there. That's the best worship you'll ever do, folks. You ever wonder why it is we don't have peace on earth? You know, we're smarter than we've ever been before, right? We've got more technology than ever. But we're worse off than ever before. If you watch the news, you know, I'm starting to wonder if I should just quit the news. I mean, it does get a bit depressing, doesn't it? But if you watch the news, you know the world isn't getting better. You know that. Things are getting worse. We got more crooks and thieves in the world. We got more liars. We got more scam artists. Our cell phones bear witness to the scams and con artists. We're getting calls from these people all the time. There's a warrant for your arrest. Press number nine. (coughs) Crazy. We never used to have that before. We got it now. We got more immoral people. We got more bloodshed. We got more crime. We got more violence. We got more war. And it's getting worse and worse. The morals and ethics and politics and economy and disease and earthquakes and everything else, even the weather itself, is getting worse. The problem is like a disease. And it can be traced back to a problem in every human heart. And the Bible tells us what that problem is. It's sin. S-I-N. Human sin is what messes up human relationships. You think of the last time you got into an argument with someone and the two of you kind of lost your cool. Sin was at the the heart of that. You've probably made mistakes. I mean, some real nasties and lost friends or lost a job over it or whatever. Sin can be found at the heart. Sin is what messes up human relationships. And sin mostly messes up our relationship with God. Now, I'll tell you what. The very first Evidence of what I'm talking about is how God seems far away. God doesn't seem near and dear and intimate and close. You're not, you're not walking with Him daily. You're not reaching out and feeling His hand. God just feels far off. That's an evidence of the sin problem. That's one of the evidences of the disease called sin. So how do we fix our problem? Well, The simple answer is, we can't. We can't. God tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've come short of His expectation. We've come short of His standard. We've come short, every one of us, because every one of us has sinned. Maybe you've never pulled out a knife and stabbed someone. Maybe you've never pulled out a gun and shot someone. But I'll bet in your heart, in your mind, you know, you kind of wish someone would walk in front of a speeding train one of these days and end all your problems. Get rid of that guy. Get rid of that woman. Boy, there's my problem. Is that lady there? That guy across the street. My boss at work. Oh, oh. And we sometimes think some pretty cruel thoughts. Sinful people are not allowed into God's presence. That's the bottom line. So what can we do? We need someone 
who can fix our sin problem. That's what we need. Someone who has never sinned themselves. That lets us out because all have sinned. We need someone who can pay what we owe in hell. That's what we need. Otherwise, we're going to have to go to hell ourselves and pay. The wages of sin is death. Death means separation. Physical death is where the soul separates from the body. All of a sudden, the body is dead. So we bury the body. The soul, the person, is gone out of the body. That's physical death. Spiritual death is when the soul is separated from God. And there's a lot of physically alive, spiritually dead people in the world today. Yes, they're physically alive, but spiritually they're dead because they're separated from God and they're living lives separated from from the Creator. That's why God is like a concept to them. It's like a word. It's not like a person, an intimate. Is there someone in your life that you met that you really like or love or appreciate? Is there someone in your life you've met? Before you met them, you didn't know them. Someone might have mentioned their name and, well, that's just a word to you. But then one day you met that special person and they became precious to you. Maybe you married them. It's like that with God. Before we meet Him, He's like a word. He's like an expression or something. We know of Him, but we don't know Him. That's why we need to know Him. And God's book, the Bible, tells us how we can know Him. Everyone can know him. This angel said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Folks, this is what Christmas is all about. It has nothing to do with Santa Claus. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. Jesus is God in human flesh, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless, perfect, pure life. He never had one bad thought. He never said one unkind word. He never broke a promise. He never did some pretty creepy things that the rest of us do. Not once. He was absolutely perfect because he was God in the flesh. And he came for the purpose to die for you and for me on an old rugged cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead the third day. He is alive. He is present with us in church today. Amen to that. Now the true gift of God. The true gift of God is to have your sins forgiven. To have eternal life. And God will give that to whoever really wants it. You say, how do we get it? Well, it's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's not like the Olympic Games where you wrestle and win it. It's a gift that God makes to all mankind. You can either receive it or reject it. If you receive it, you'll be born again. You'll become part of his family. You'll have intimacy with God Almighty. If you reject it, God will forever be a, just a, a term, a word, a phrase, an expression. He won't be a person to you. You'll end up dying and going to hell for your sins. And that's not very good news, I know. But that is the truth. You need to pray in your heart today to Jesus. You need to confess your sins to Him, not to Mary. You need to confess to Jesus you're a sinner and you need to ask Jesus to forgive your sins and to come into your heart and life and be your Lord and be your Savior. That's how. You receive the gift. 
And if you're sincere when you pray, you will experience the new birth. Jesus said, you must be born again. And you'll experience it. It'll happen to you. So we see today the angel and his angelic companions all worshipped and glorified God over the birth of Jesus. Look at verse 15. We're done in just a minute. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. They were only 10 miles away. Or maybe less than that, pardon me. They were far less than that. They were close by. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. You see, they, they took the angel's message as the word of God. Verse 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. The shepherds now also take the time to go and see Jesus. Folks, you took time to come to church today, didn't you? You didn't have to come. You could have just slept in. You could have gone over to visit Aunt Matilda. You could have maybe gone out for a nice drive in the country. It's a nice day today, but you took the time to come to church today. And God bless you for it. Would you take some time tomorrow morning to get alone with Jesus and meet with him? Would you take some time and read the word of God? Let him speak to your heart. Would you take some time and get on your knees and pray to him and worship him? Would you take the time? Because that's what it's going to take. You're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of time. Hey, what about tonight? Would you come, would you sacrifice some time and come tonight? Come tonight. You don't have to come for the market if you don't want to, but come for the program. Come for the program. Yeah, I just have kind of a funny idea. You never know, but quite likely angels go to church too. You can't see them. They won't talk to you. But anywhere where Jesus is exalted, it seems to me, the angels are interested. Jesus will be exalted tonight. Would you take the time and come tonight? Well, it's time to pray. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads together. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.